the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvalu. and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese and now it's been a week since Italy were eliminated from the World Cup. The fallout continues. As we've discussed here already on the, on the Italian Football Podcast, there's, there's a number of reasons why Italy failed to make it to Qatar. But one of the, the deeper-rooted problems in Italian football that has uh, undoubtedly, in my opinion, played a key role in, in the Azzurri failing to make it to two World Cups in a row is the problem that Italy has when it comes to youth development and especially the lack of opportunities that, that Italian youngsters are getting in, in Serie A. And you know, this is something that Roberto Mancini has, has complained about uh, and he's not been alone. And... Well, Italy has, has been declining badly, really, with its production of young players. Other countries, such as England, have, have really stepped up their game. So, so today, I wanted to have a little discussion on this issue with, with two uh, academy coaches in, in England, both of, uh, of Italian descent, both Italian. And uh, we have, first of all, we have Elio Salerno, who's a good friend of the show, he's been on before, who is the, the youth development phase coach at Peterborough United, who are, are in the English Championship. And Dario Seminario, who is the under 12s and under 13s phase lead academy coach at Cambridge United, who this, this season they had a famous win over, over Newcastle. Um, so, so first of all, Elio, Dario, thank, thank you so much for, for, joining, uh, for joining me. I want to really get, that, get to the bottom of, of what is going on in Italy and, and what Italy can learn from in England. So I'm sure you can both help me there. So, so first of all, how, how are you doing, guys? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on, Carlo. It's good to be talking to you again. Uh, unfortunate circumstances, but yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll cover some interesting stuff. Yeah, I hope so. And welcome, Dario, as well. Thanks for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. Really a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> okay, great. All right, so so to start with, I'll come to you, Elliot. Right, right now, there are only three teenagers playing regular football in, in Serie A. And only one of these is Italian, Destiny Udogi, who, who plays for Udinese. Um, in addition to that, some, some, I saw some figures the other day that Serie A is the ninth worst league in the world when it comes to the amount of minutes given to under-21 players. So just want to get your initial reaction first to that. You know, what, when you hear these stats, what, what, what goes through your mind? Unfortunately, I'm not surprised. I, I, don't, think, I don't think any of us are surprised. Um, you know, in in Italy, you're still young when you're 30. So, it, they, I don't think they have the patience for young players. I, I really don't. I think it, it's it can be it can be that simple. You know, and it, it's easy for me to to reference Juve because you know they're, they're the team I follow. And you go back to the start of the season, and you hear Allegri talking about Chiesa like he's 17, 18 years old, and you know he's 23, 24. He's an established professional, established Serie A player with experience. Um, you know, and you go a little bit further and you watch the documentary and you, you, it's got a tone of how they almost don't trust the young players with the same responsibility as they, as they do the others. Um, so it doesn't surprise me at all that they, 
that, that there's limited numbers of, of, of young players at that age playing in Serie A. I think it's not so much for me at the at the you know the 18 19 age i don't think that's the case across europe that there'll be loads of players at that age playing in in the top league but you know once they start to enter 2021 20, 22 we don't we still don't see them playing regularly and that's where i have a little bit more of an issue with it these guys at this age should be established playing in Serie A and i don't see the reason why why they're not um, because you can't tell me that there's there's better players playing for Celebritana and, and Udinese and Cagliari. You can't tell me these guys, these guys that they bring in are, are better than, than the young players that, that we have in Italy. I, I don't believe that's true. Mm. Okay, and, and Dario, you, you came to England just over a decade ago to coach, so you know how the Italian system works very well. Is it, is it a problem of a lack of opportunities that we have so few youngsters playing in, in Serie A. Is it that they are not good enough because they're not being coached properly? Is the pathway to first-team football not correct? Is it a bit of everything? I mean, what what is the reason why you think that there's so few youngsters playing? In my opinion, there are lack of opportunities, and this is connected perhaps with our culture because there is lack of patience in the first-team environment and sometimes is the fault of who runs the club because if a manager keep losing games in a short period of time, he will lose his job. So to play a youngster uh, straight away is a risk, uh, but a risk for the youngster, but it's also a risk for the manager because, because as I said before, if lose games, he's out. And we know historically that in Italy, managers lose their job quite easily. And we've got some very chairmen with a strong character. Uh, they don't hesitate to change managers within their club. Um, it's an example of Zamparini. When he was at Palermo, Venezia used to sack managers every month. So, in one hand, we, we understand the manager has to win the game. And, and unfortunately, perhaps a cost of the risking to play um, a youngster. I also think there is a lack of investment in EU. So, for instance, now we have the under 23 potentially then can play in Serie C. And the only club they embrace these opportunities are, is Juventus. So, what about all the other clubs? Because I personally think it's a brilliant. A pathway to the first team, having an under-23 playing professional football in a real environment, in the real stadiums, with a little bit more pressure, and playing against men, where uh, he's brilliant. I think Fajol is one of the players now coming through the under-23, potentially going to Juventus' first team. And as also Elio mentioned before, it's a static culture where the old player is preferred, but it's linked to the manager pressure. If I'm a manager and I need to win at all costs the next four games, I will play someone with more experience and guarantee me some performances rather than having the risk uh, to take. Uh, I think players in Italy are good enough. Uh, it's not just in this era, it's our history. We didn't win four World Cups and two European Championships by, by chance. Because we won these titles with good players. And I think also there is a strange statistic in the 90s, which I believe we, it was the best Italy, Italy ever. We didn't win. <laughs> Historically, we are we have good players, and as I mentioned before, the pathway from the youth team to the first team is quite decent, because the Primavera uh, League, which is the equivalent of the youth team league in England, is well run, in my opinion, is well competitive, uh, played in proper stadiums at times, you know, lower level stadiums, and the atmosphere is there quite uh, real. Football is not playing a training ground with 20 people watching. It's a proper, there are proper games there. 
Um, and as I said, if more clubs embrace the under-23 options, I believe Italian football can can flourish again. Uh, so again, it's a lack of opportunities uh, because of you know, culture and organizations at the same time. Okay, we'll come to the pathway after because I've got a question on that about the loan system that I want to discuss. But just come, just just to come back to you on the point about you know you're saying that some managers will feel under pressure; they might get the sack if they play youngsters. You know, some teams will be going for say a Champions League play. Some teams will try to be avoiding relegation; they don't want to risk. But I mean, that's the same in in all leagues, really, isn't it? If you think about it, I mean, you know, in England, in Sp- I mean, all all countries, all teams in all leagues will have this, this this same pressure. So, you know, why is it in Italy? Is it even more in Italy, or you think? Even more because it's a lack of of um, understanding the process. They want the outcome rather than focus on the process. And see, like Barcelona nowadays, you know. They went out of the Champions League, for instance, and on the Europa League, and there is a project. Uh, and this project might take 12, 24 months. So I believe the board is willing to work for them. In Italy, I'm not saying everyone is like that, because Atalanta, for instance, is... Yeah, I think we've lost Dario there for the moment. Um, I, I was just, just going to add to what you were saying. Yeah. I, I think it goes. it's part of the, the mentality thing in terms of we like safety. Italians like safety, and I, I think Dario mentioned it a couple of minutes ago in terms of the way clubs have run and the, the people that that over that oversee the, the the projects of that club, if you like, is so volatile. Um, and I think we'll probably touch on this later in terms of the loan system, but there's 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 no continuity with with any clubs uh, in in Serie A or. Uh, and, and even Serie B as well. I'm a bit generalising there and saying any clubs, but the majority of them, and and I think it is a it is a safety. It is it is a well, if I hire if we hire a new manager, who have I worked with before that uh, that that I can take that I know is a is a Serie A robot if you like, and he, he's he's been there, he's seen it, he, he's done it all before. And I know there's an element of that in all football. I get that managers allow players that they feel more secure with. I, I get that, but th- there's got to be there's got to be a little bit more open mindedness in terms of what what something different that we can bring. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, we'll try and get Dario back because I'm going to ask him a question about uh, how the youngsters are actually coached in Italy and whether it's the correct kind of coaching. But we'll come come back to you first, Elio. So um, I wanted to know, like, what what is the approach and some of the key facets to, to youth coaching that we have in, in, in English academies. Because, I mean, I remember in the 1990s, I, I was a, a, a youth team player at Luton Town as a teenager you know, until I was about 15. And when I look back now at that coaching, it, I mean, I know it's going back a while, but it, it, um, it it's, was, I mean, it, I, just, I can't believe England produced any players. To be, and Luton Town was actually one of the better academies at the time, believe it or not, in, in English football. It produced quite a few decent youngsters back then um but you know now i mean if i look at when you, england failed to qualify for, for for euro 2008 um and um they 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 really you know revolutionized their, their youth academies they built the st james not st james's park st george's, st. george's park. park st george's park um and and since then 
you know, we have to be honest, I mean, England's production of, of youth players is, I mean, there's just so many that are coming through at all age levels, and you'll see it firsthand. Um, so, I mean, what is it that England changed? What is it they're doing so well? You, you, I mean, you'll, you do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'd go as far to say I think they almost changed everything. You know, if you go back to the early 2010s when they, when the Premier League implemented the, you know, alongside the FA, the EPPP, so the Elite Player Performance Programme, and then not too long after that, England themselves, the FA, implemented their, their England DNA. And, you know, what does an England player look like? What does an England team look like uh, individually, collectively, in different phases of the game? And I think with, with the EPPP, the investment that came with it was, was fantastic, really. And it, it really developed the infrastructure that gave, gave many clubs in this country a platform to succeed. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just investment in players. It wasn't just investment in facilities. It was coaches. It was, it was education. It was psychology. And they're in a position now where it's almost harder for them to fail in terms of developing players. As long as you've got the right elements, they've got unlimited resource. And there's, there's, a, there's a continuity between what the English DNA looks like and how a lot of clubs develop their players. Now, obviously, every club will have their, their own way of doing it. And, and that's, that's right, because ultimately, they're, they're, they spend 90% of their time at clubs and they're developing players for their own first team. So each club will have their own little way of, of wanting to do players. But if you look at the, the, the players that have come through in recent years, you can see similarities in them in terms of their, their technical qualities, their, their versatility in, in, in positioning, their physical attributes, the, the way they, their awareness of the game and, and, and those kind of things. And I think it was, it's, it's, it's geared towards the top academies being able to get hold of the best players. Now, the, the system isn't flawless, but the Premier League would argue that it works. You know, the, the Category 1 academies develop players on a regular basis that can play in the Premier League, in the Championship, and and it's, 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 it's not a surprise. And like I said, they they have the opportunity now because of the... The Premier League money as well, which is which has helped them. They can go and get the best players around the country pretty much whenever they like, and automatically it's put in the best with the best in the best environment. And does it make it harder for for some clubs? Absolutely, it does. But like I said, they would argue that the system works. Um, so you know, they they really went back to the drawing board of it, and they come up with these plans and. And like I said, it, it, it's working. It's working. But the, the investment in the infrastructure and in everything around it was was pivotal to that and, and wanting to have homegrown players or more homegrown players available to to play at international level, play at top clubs. It's there. And there, there's things along the way that have undoubtedly helped them. Um, like I said, the Premier League money, they've benefited from and perhaps something that we, we haven't benefited from yet in Italy, but if you look at the younger age groups in the national team, you know, in terms of the migration and, and the heritage from different countries, I think, I think that's, that's massive. And 
you you look at countries around Europe who have already benefited from that, and England undoubtedly have benefited from that. And yeah, once you France, chuck those, France as yeah, well, yeah. Once once you chuck those elements into all the other stuff that they they planned and that and they built towards, you go, you know, it, it's 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 almost a perfect perfect remedy for 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 everything to to work. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely the the funding. Absolutely, like Daddy I said before. I mean, there's so much money in England, English football now, Premier League. That allows the that will allow the academies to have the best facilities, the best coaches, the best nutrition, the best uh, recovery. You know, everything. And I guess if you put that all together, it's it's a perfect, a perfect. Uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's incredible to go, incredible to go to some of these clubs and and see the resource that they've got. It, you know the the amount of staff that they can that that they can call upon at any given minute to help a player in in any way that they need it it's it's unbelievable really and it just gives them the an ideal environment to develop players and and if they don't develop players then they're failing because they've got everything that they need they've got everything yeah. they need you know these top clubs will take the best players like i said They'll even take the best coaches, the best youth coaches in the academies. They'll go around the country and go, right, we want him because he can do this and we'll take him. Mm. So, you know, it, it's it's ideal. It really is mm. ideal. Just one final question on this, Elliot, because then I want to come to Dario and ask how they do it in Italy in terms of the coaching. Is there a specific, um, like, what kind of things do they specifically try and coach into the, the young, the youngsters in, 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 in England? And because when I, again, going back to when I was a, a player at Luton, I mean, it was the English youth systems. They used to get laughed at for being kick and rush. Like some of the stuff that, I mean, I got released when I was 15 years old. And it, because and I, I quote, I was told I'm too small. That's what I was told. I'm too small. And I was, and I'll see when I say it myself, technically, I was the best player in the whole academy, technically. But I was small. You know, I wasn't, you know, the, the big players that got picked were the big big six-footers that were stronger, they were better in the air, they were more physical. You know, I mean, it seems to me that now England's gone completely the other way now. I mean, what kind of player do they try and coach, try and mould and create? Yeah, I, I think what they've done really well is is caught the trend of of modern football and seen, seen, it, seen ahead of it, if you like, and, and gone what, what a player is going to look like um, in the future and, and how, how do we develop that? And I think, like I said, each club will do stuff differently uh, in order to mould players for their team. But as I mentioned before, there's there's a lot of similarities between the players that have come through. You know, you're talking about them being able to dominate situations 1v1, which is which is really key. Mm. Um, and you, you'll see a lot of, a lot of emphasis on that. Uh, you'll see a lot of emphasis on possession and positional play in terms of being able to to maintain the ball for for long longer periods of the game um you you see emphasis on intensity in terms of pressing and being able to to press high at the pitch or being able to counter press and, and win the ball back quickly and and i think they've just they've just created an environment that they can go players can can handle multiple situations of of the game and be able to face them comfortably and like i said with the resources that they've got 
they're almost creating universal players now that you can go right well he's comfortable to play out on the left he's comfortable to play out on the right you can play through the center of the pitch you can play deeper in the pitch if he wants and obviously there is more specific players than that but you, you look at those look at some of the players in england that they've got now for example you know you've got a, a trent who's a right back but he's a playmaker yeah he, he could play he could play in center midfield if he wanted you know you go you like i said you uh, a sancho for example he could play left right centrally yeah it, bellingham, it, bellingham can play pretty much every midfield role he can play as a holding midfielder number six number eight box to box he seems that they seem to be yeah multifunctional like you say yeah and i just think there's been a real emphasis on being being proactive and being dominant and take wanting to take control of the game in in every phase of it and I think the coaching has been has been centered around that and like I said the the best players play with the best players and play against the best players at, for as often as they can make that happen and that is undoubtedly beneficial for them because they're going to get stretched for as long as they're in an academy system mm. okay well let's come come back to you now Dadio uh, we've got him back so um, we, we've discussed there a little bit about how the English uh, youth academies do things and why it's been so successful at the moment. Going go, go to Italy, because you, you'll understand the system very well there, from the people I've, some of the people I've spoken to, that there has been some complaints uh, that there's still a bit of a, too much of an emphasis in, 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 in Italian youth coaching on you know, tactics, the obsession of winning, um, rather than so much on the development. Um, technical skills, the modern skills that, that Elio is talking about there. I mean, is that a fair assessment or is it over-exaggerated? I mean, are the youngsters being coached correctly, do you think, in, in Italy? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. And I believe in, um, in Italy, the standard of coaching is good, in my opinion. It's a fa about finding the right balance, I would say. I personally believe that there is nothing wrong with coaching tactics because that's the game of football. So tactics allow the players to learn, have knowledge of the game, and make decision making decision and develop the decision making process. So again, it is obsessive tactics, and then you will kill the players' development because of the tactics. That's that's wrong. So as I said before, in Italy, find the right balance when you coach the tactics and allow the players to learn, to acquire knowledge, but more importantly, to help the decision making process so the players understand why. And the tactics doesn't always should aim always to win the game, but to coach part of the game. So the players trying to learn. In regards to the mental side, I think psychology is quite essential in football. Uh, it, it is important to understand which attributes you want to develop. Is he want to be smart and waste time and dive to win the game and slow the slow the game and kill the intensity, or be more resilient and have the ability to be adaptable to situations. Again, the mental side is important to be coached. It's about finding the right balance and the right attributes to help the players. In Italy, yes, if, if you want to win, you slow the game, keep the ball out, you pretend a cramp. But so situations like that, which this is more of men's football, not for, for young players. And winning, <laughs> similar. I don't think anyone that plays football in any country, in any part of the world, wants to play to lose. And winning is an outcome and again it's about understanding the process and make develop the pro the players in that process to win the game by ensuring we develop the players 
um, to, again, I find the right balance for me is very important, but I wouldn't say in Italy everything they do is wrong. There are some very good ideas, some very good coaches there. And again, it's about finding the right balance. In terms of skills, there is a trend still I can hear and see by Italian methodology. So, you know, they do lots of physical drills separate and then they do technical drills, which I don't want to say they are out of date, but nowadays we know they're having game-based sessions where the intensity is high. You, you can develop still the physical attributes or the technical attributes within a game environment rather than having a half an hour uh, strength and conditioning session and a half an hour passing drill and a pause. So that is also what makes things slower. It's easy to blame the coaches and the clubs, but my biggest criticism is to the Italian FA because the coaching courses are B license, sorry, C license, B license, A license, Pro license. There is little, as far as I know, especially uh, courses for young coaches, like the Advanced Youth Award, the Youth Award they have in England, which are uh, making the coaches specializing in youth development, development rather than doing a B license and A license, which is tactics and aim to win a game of football. So, yeah, and that find links, the right balance. That links to the to what I was saying about the you know the the introduction of the the triple P and the, the the way it was the way it was changed in terms of the coaching courses. You know, introducing things like the the youth modules where it wasn't just aimed at professional coaches if you, if you want to say professional coaches it was aimed at all levels so you know you you're talking about how to create a, a positive environment for for young players what kind of exercises practices can they do at those young ages that can perhaps put them in a position to develop to to going into an academy and you know they, they thought about it at all layers and i think dario mentioned the word balance and that's absolutely key and if you look at if you look at italy's players now in the senior squad, Italy create a lot of robots, I think. And I think that's probably because of that heavy focus on on the things that you've mentioned and the way Dario said that they, they have the, the training. Chiesa is a is an outlier. How many Chiesas do we see? We don't. We don't have we don't have players that beat you said the one on one. We don't have players that eliminate no. their, their opponent, do we? You know, Spinazzola, Chiesa, that's Spinazzola is the only fullback of his of his of his type in 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 Italy, really, in terms of being an, an Italian fullback. And you know he didn't start in that position. And a lot of fullbacks don't end up don't start as a as a fullback. But if if you look at the rest of them, you know you go in uh, Biragi, Calabria, Dicilio, Florenzi, like they're they're all so similar. If if you like, I, I know they'll have different traits, but even the midfield players, and don't get me wrong, Italy have brilliant midfield players. I'm not criticising their midfield players. But is there loads of variety between Tonali, Locatelli, Pellegrini? Are they massively different? I would I would argue probably not, but they are excellent football players. More more to the point is about where's where's the next Chiesa? How many Chiesas do we do we develop? And I would I would say they, they don't because they haven't got the patience for them. It was like when he first came to Juve, everyone was questioning how is he going to deal with the game tactically and then all this kind of stuff. Just let Chiesa be Chiesa. And they, they won't because they haven't got the patience for him. They haven't. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. No, I, t I totally agree. Um, do you think, Dario, that 
Italy needs to revolutionise its youth academy. I mean, does it need to make big changes to their system? Like we said, like England, when you were when you were off the call, we said how England in 2008, after England failed to qualify for Euro 2008, they completely changed everything with their youth academy. Germany did the same after they were struggling in 2000, and then you know France did it going along a lot further back in 1988 when they built uh, Clairefontaine uh, Academy. I mean, do Italy need to do something as big as that, or do they just need to make small changes? Do you think? I think not revolutionize, but modernize. So, mm-hmm. put some updates on the <laughs> on the methodology and in the whole um, approach to youth football. I remember uh, many years ago, Litti said, "If you like winning, stay away from youth academies. If you like developing players, stay." Uh, in the youth system, because Litti was, I believe, a Talanda youth team manager, so his first job, and because he was so obsessed of winning, and then he decided to go in Serie C2 back in the days to start to work in men's football and win games. So again, modernize, so understand the profile of the coach, they can work with young players and help them, the players to develop. But in Italy, we have a bad habit, in my opinion, because we have, uh, let's say, we missed the World Cup and then Mancini won the Euro. So the fact Mancini won, clear everything. Yeah. Back in 2006, I think in Italy, the, the, had the same problems in the last 20 years. It's not because we lost against Macedonia. It's a 20 years where we stuck in our way. It's not modern anymore. And 2006, we won the World Cup. Happy days. And then we had another long day. I would say decade of no winning, and then we won the Euro. Everything is fine. Now we lost. Mm. We're not going to the World Cup, but I doubt things will change. But I hope that you know, with the science now, there is so many researches. Universities are doing lots of researches about coaching, the science of coaching, how players develop. So, in my yeah. opinion, there are three things that Italy needs to really modernize: is the focus on individuals. We're not making teams like under 12s, under 13s, 15s, 16s, 17s. Focus on the individual that needs yeah. to know how to play in a team. Recent interview, for instance, Zagnolo, Mancini said Zagnolo needs to learn how to play with the others. But mm-hmm. he's brilliant. He's a brilliant individual. We has been developed. Now let's help him to play in a team. But mm-hmm. we need to make sure we don't lose the focus to the individual, to the variety, variety of individuals. Upskill coaches. Because the only way you can get knowledge of youth development in Italy is by going to university. If you study sports science, then you get the, the, the knowledge, the, all the techniques. But not everyone can go to uni. So we need to upskill all the coaches at the all levels, as Elio mentioned before. And do not underestimate the use of technology. Do we do enough clips, uh, match analysis? You know, we are talking about kids or young players. It's so important to see yourself playing and understand how you move, why you cannot use your left foot, what type of passes you can make. And I think the technology is still a little bit backwards within the football academy field. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to move on to the loan system now. So we talked a little bit before about the pathway to first team football. Now, in Italy, the approach is that youngsters should, in Max Allegri's words, I'm going to quote him here, serve their apprenticeship in so for a Serie A team like Juventus youngsters from Serie, from Juventus would have to serve their apprenticeship in Serie C then 
if they do well there, then they maybe move up the next season alone at Serie B and then to Serie, uh, Serie A, lower, te- lower table team. Um, no, what do you think of that approach? Is that is that outdated? Is that the right way for for a player? I know there's different levels, you know, but for a player from Juventus, for example, like like Fagioli, for example, or like uh, the new uh, what's his name, the, the new under nineteen star Miletti. Yeah. You know, what's the correct pathway for these kind of players? I mean, should they be going down to to Serie C? Does that really help their development, Elio? Uh, I think it's a difficult one. Uh, I think Darren mentioned something about individuals and you have to know what's best for that individual player at that time in his career and, and what's going to suit him in best best in order to, to help his development. Uh, I think they, they have to have clarity around why they're sending these players to certain clubs. Now, I could get... You know, I mentioned before that, that there's there are better players that you young Italy players than some of the players that are playing in Serie A, and I understand from some of the clubs in the bottom of Serie A they might not want to take a, a player from Milan or Juve or uh, Roma on loan because they'll be thinking, why should I develop your player? I get that, I do get that, but and I think it also links to something that we'll, we'll probably go on to is, well, and I just mentioned about why why do you send their players there? There has to be an identity around, I'm going to send him to this club because they do these things a certain way, which falls in line with my club, and it's going to help this player develop towards my first team. So you mentioned Fajoli. Why send, I know he's playing Cremonese, the, the top of Serie B, fine. Why has he gone there? Why is someone else gone to this other club? Why has someone else gone to this other club? I don't, and I, I mentioned it earlier as well. It, it, the situation in Italy with with managers and clubs is so volatile. You know, you send a player to Serie B, he might be in a in a team that are in the playoffs this season, but you can't rely on that club to be in the same situation next season. They might be bottom of the league next season. So again, it goes back to what I said: Why are you sending these players to these clubs? You need to understand why they're going there. What's going to help their development? How are they going to? How is that going to benefit? You as a club and him as the individual player, I've got no problem with the loan system in terms of sending players out to get experience, but they've got to play and it's got to be at the right place in the right environment with the, with the right challenge. You know, we, we ditched the co-ownership system, which was, well, flaky at best, but at least you, at least you could argue for the clubs that co-owned players, if they improved that player, there was some financial reward in it for them. Mm. Which, which I, I get that as well. That there isn't, there isn't that, there isn't that reward for players, for clubs. Sorry, in this situation. Um, so I, I think it's a really tough question. I think it's a really tough situation to answer, and I think it links to so many other things um, that, unfortunately, I don't, don't have the maybe don't have the awareness of. But what I see from outside, I, I don't see it's there. Yeah. I think it's a very good point understanding why and the profile of the player is going to go on loan in the lower league. So I'll give you a, a fresh example, which has been triggered for, for this discussion. Is I come from Catania, which is in Sicily, and they currently are playing Serie C. And they're financially basically bankrupt. So mm-hmm. there is low expectations. They're not, they don't have any aim apart to make sure to avoid the relegation. And there is not many funds. 
on a bright days, Catania has 25,000 spectators, very high expectations, because it's a big club, used to play in Serie A for so many years. I think Padova sent more Luca Moro on loan to Catania. He's a 19-year-old striker, which has scored more than 25 goals, and now he's in Italy under 20, and has been bought by Sassuolo. So if I think about Moro, if Catania was in a better financial situation and the club wanted to win Serie C to go to Serie B, I don't believe Moro would have been able to play for Catania because every, the first mistake or the first penalty was miss, missing. He would have been booed and he would have been psychologically <laughs> destroyed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was mentioning about Moro be in the right environment or, or the right club for the environment situation because Catania normally is a very demanding environment. They normally have 25,000 spectators and their uh, expectations are really high. So perhaps for a 19 years old, if psychologically is not ready to embrace the challenge, it might be a hard uh, step. On the other hand, he has been fortunate because this season the, the environment is completely different. Uh, again, it's back to my previous point when the culture has to change to allow mm-hmm. youngsters to express themselves because they cannot be sometimes immediate able to perform the full potential. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Okay, right. Question that uh, I really want to ask both of you about. I'll start with you, Elio. It's something you brought up just a, just a minute ago about when you send a player out on loan, you need to have, it, have in mind, you know, the identity of the club that it helps them to then maybe come back and fit into their own team. So I wanted to ask, do you think it is beneficial? I mean, and also, I mean, please tell me what, what is the case in Italy at the moment. Probably Dario can answer this. Um, when you go through the age groups in Italy, under eights, under nines, under tens, under elevens, under twelves, all the way up to Bima Verde level and then the senior team, is do the do these different age groups all play the same kind of football, the same formation, the same do they have the same philosophy? Um, or are, is it every coach, the under eights coach says, oh, I want to play four four two. The under nine coach will say, okay, you know, I want to play three five two. Uh, you know, the under ten coach, I want to play, uh, you know, Guardiola kind of football, and then the under thirteens coach says, oh, I want to play Allegri football. You know, is there any kind of system put in place that this is how, this is what the identity is going to be? Because, you know, they surely can't help a player develop if if they're changing the style and the formation and the type of football. So um, let me come to you first, Daddy. Is there any consistency through the age groups in Italy? of the type of football that they play? As far as I know, I think every is run the every age group has got the co- the head coach, the assistant coach, and it's like it is run like a team rather than an academy. Um, and I think the coach has the freedom to choose the the way the style of play he wish to play. Obviously he needs to be able to justify why he's playing certain style, what's the benefit, the technical benefits of playing certain style. I don't, as far as I know, I don't know any mm. club that plays the, all the same style of play across all the age groups. The only one I picked was, I think last season I watched Atalanta Youth's youth, uh, Primavera game against Inter, and the, I could see Atalanta playing exactly the same style of the first team. So perhaps the Primavera, the youth team, and the first team have a similarity, but I'm not sure about yeah. the younger ages. I, I read a story this morning, actually, funnily enough, that Blessing, the new Genoa coach, is he's now bringing the Red Bull model through all the youth teams. So he wants the every single youth team to play the same football 
at Genoa from the start, which and I, I, it's funny that it, I saw that this morning before we had our discussion, because in my opinion, that's exactly how things should be. And, and that's what I wanted to ask you, Elliot. I mean, do you think it's beneficial for clubs to create an identity that, you know, is imprinted in every age group? For example, I mean, Barcelona and Ajax are probably the two best examples through the last decades. You know, they always play the same 4-3-3 formation, the style of football to keep the ball, you know, from under eight to senior. And in my opinion, that makes it easier for, you know, a player to make the step up in age groups, to then make the step up to the senior team because they already know what, what they've got to do. They've just got to put it into a, a different level. Yeah, I, I, no, I think it's imperative. And I've banged on about this identity thing a lot in this conversation that we've had and, and a lot in general. Um, and I think, you know, it's no surprise that we just mentioned Atalanta. And if you if you could pick one team in, in Italy in the last few years who have had their a number of their own players play in Serie A, it's Atalanta because there's continuity there. And, you know, you mentioned Ajax and, and Barcelona, the, the two biggest examples. They just have consistencies. And obviously, they have to change and adapt along the way. But they have some fundamental principles that they they don't go against. And they they know what their players have to look like in order to get them to get them through the club. And you can't you can't tell me what a what a Juventus are. You can't tell me what a Milan are. You can't tell me what a Lazio are. You you can't tell me what these football clubs what how they play, what their identity is. Of course they have a way of playing. But it could change year on year. You know, Juve are a prime example. Last three years they've had three different coaches who've played completely the different way. Mm. And you know, you hear people go on about now we need to we need to get rid of Mancini. Why? We did this to Prandelli in, in 2014 because they Italy went out the group stage at the World Cup. So you're gonna get rid of a manager and then what? You bring someone else in who will do something completely different potentially. So all of a sudden, everything that you've built towards it is gone. So there has to be these principles in place for these football clubs, because if not, you're just going to keep repeating these highs and lows. And like Darius mentioned earlier, of course, Italy have good players. You don't win World Cups and European Championships without it. But domestically, Serie A isn't very strong. It's a really enjoyable league, but it's not very strong. They haven't won the Champions League in 10 years. They haven't won a European club trophy in 10 years. That's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. But, you know, it, exactly, 12 years. It's, it's not acceptable. And, and it's no surprise that, you know, you, you look at a, a city who have a defined way of playing throughout the club and they've got a hatful of players that could step up and play in the Premier League probably at this moment. You know, I'll give a personal example of we went to play Liverpool a few weeks ago with, with uh, under-14s. Their team played exactly the same way as you'd expect Klopp's team to do. They press, they win the ball, bang, and they're gone. They're running and they're playing on the counter-attack and you're like, whoa, what's, what's going on here? So they're, they're matching players up for if to be ready for the, for the future and, and Italy just doesn't have that. The clubs just don't have that. The, the, the national team don't have that. The FA don't have that. I think Mancini yeah. has tried, I think Mancini, just to come back to you, I do think Mancini has tried to, to, become, to implement a more modern, progressive, not just the style of football, but the, 
the mentality and the identity, the, the crazy things that some of the crazy things, and this is what's wound me up the most about Allegri, even more than his football team, is just his mentality. Some of the things he says, you know, like you said, treating Chiesa like he's an 18-year-old, talking about how, the, you know, the team needs to be more mentally stronger rather than talking about playing better football, talking about, uh, you know, serving their apprenticeship instead of your team. You know, just the whole mentality. I think... They're not trusting the youth players, you know, for example, giving Miretti one minute against Salernitana. You know, this whole identity, this is, I think Mancini's got it, the right idea. Yeah. But no, he, I, can't, I do. he can't do it. I, he can't do it himself. He can't do it himself. He needs the support no, of everyone. I, I absolutely agree. And that's why, you know, I, I can't make any sense of the thought that he should she should have been sacked. Is it a disaster? Absolutely it is. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the, the bigger picture and, if I if I ask if I ask either of you two what does a what does a Portuguese player look like what does a Portuguese team look like at a national level you you we we could give a generic response to what that would be like the same with Germany the same with Spain the same now with England the same with France you say to me what's an Italy team going to look like in two years at national level I'm going to go could be anything it could be anything and and the same with the clubs the same with the clubs that they, they, they could be anything whereas now you can go, uh, say Guardiola, for some reason, whatever, left Man City today. They, they've, they've got a blueprint. They've got an understanding of what they have to do. The, the same with the Liverpool, the, the same with the, the Chelsea, the same with the majority of the clubs in the Premier League. Uh, and, you know, it, ju it just isn't there. It just isn't there for me. So we need to create an identity. Uh, what, what would you like, Daddy, or what do you think our identity should be? Because I saw... There's been a big debate. I saw Fabio Capello was complaining the other day, saying that Italy's tried to play, have an identity too much like Guardiola's identity of keeping the ball. Uh, even though I don't particularly agree with that, I think the pressing uh, of Guardiola is equally as important as the ball possession, the ball retention. But anyway, he thinks that they should, we should go more for the German model of the of the counter pressing, the Gegenpressing, as they call it. I mean, do you think? What do you think Italy's if we are going to create more of our own identity, what should it be? Like, what type of football should we be going for? I think the first step is to have a clear the player profile, or mm. have a player profile in each positions and a variation of player profile. As I said at the beginning, the variation of midfielders rather than having identical players. So I think, in my opinion, this is the first step: have the player profile, in your, and then establish your identity. Second, your identity needs to be match to the player's ability to execute certain actions otherwise he will stay where it is so we need to clearly understand first how to have how to develop a certain player profile and then we can work on the identity and i still think we are not there yet mm. in the national team that in, in in general we we, mm. we don't have i think it's a more random process when a player comes through the system is just came through yeah. <laughs> it's a random, yeah. it's a random, yeah. and then sometimes we have uh, two, three, four years where we don't see a player, and then all of a sudden we got three, four players coming through. It's all randomized rather than having clear ideas on players' profile, identity, and then having some players basically through the system. Yeah, and I think I mean, the, the the young sorry the the young national teams are, are doing well in recent years. They've been doing well. They've been performing well. You know, the under-19s have done well this week. I know it's a, a spread. If you look from 2015s upwards, you know, th there's been success in terms of progression in tournaments and, and, and things like that. But 
you know, where, where, where are these players? And that's the thing. We, we just don't know where, where they're going to be, if they're going to be, if they're going to be anywhere. And that's, it, it's fine having the players there, but if they don't get, if they don't get the opportunity and look, Italy have some fundamentals and some stereotypes, if you like, that they've always been good at. And they're always likely to be good at because of the system. But how do you bolt on around that? So how do you how do you build on their resilience and their mentality? And you know those games where they they win and you go, I don't. Only Italy could win those games. Mm. You know that there is characteristics in Italians that has served them really well and will continue to serve them well. But I'm glad. Can I just stop you there? The reason. I'm glad you brought that up earlier because I was going to say, do you think that these characteristics and stereotypes to which Italy have always been the best at, and I, I would pick out two, I think Italy throughout history have always been the best defensively, no doubt about it. We've, always, we've produced the best defenders, more defenders, world-class defenders than any other nation by a mile. If you pick the probably, if you pick the 10 best defenders of all time, probably about seven of them would be Italian. Um, number two, we've, we're smarter than any other nation. You know, tactically, we're smarter, and even still now, I mean, we can talk all about the great youth coaches in England, but an English manager actually hasn't won the Premier League since its inception thirty years ago. Whereas Italy still produces first team, amazing first team. So we've got great brains still. So those two things, but I'm talking about the players here. Do you, do you think that these qualities in the way that modern football has gone, where it's become more about the like physical qualities, the pressing? the the intensity let's say do you think that that's kind of taken away what our strengths have been through the years because the fe- defense is kind of i don't want to say it's dead but you can't defend like italy have traditionally in the past you know backs to the world like we saw against holland at euro 2000 you know only italy could have done that you know you can't defend like that anymore that's why a lot of people say that allegri's football is outdated because you can't play deep defense and then just try and counter attack that football doesn't well at the moment doesn't seem to be working anymore. So, do you think that Italy that kind of works against Italy as well? Yeah, I think it does because I, I think it it lends to this d- discussion that Italy and Italian football doesn't really know what it is anymore. Um, and y- you can look at the, the centre backs that we've we've got now under Bonucci and Chiellini. Like, who who is it? There there isn't another Bonucci and Chiellini, and there isn't going to be, but. All of a sudden, we've we've seemed to have been caught between trying to do maybe develop something different, but we've lost a little bit of what what made us what made us great. And like Dario said, it's very random. And all of a sudden, we've randomly produced lots of very good midfield players. Mm-hmm. So it it's almost seems like it's become a, uh, we've become generic because we don't know what direction to to go in, whether to stay as Italy have always traditionally been with those things, with the mentality, with the resilience, with the, the tactics and the, the defending and, and being be that, or do we be a modern nation and, and try and play and go, go towards a modern football? And at the minute, it doesn't seem like we do, we do either. And Mancini is fortunate in a sense that actually he was being, he's been able to bring the two of them together perhaps through having people like Bonucci and Chiellini in the team, but having a little bit of a modern flavour in it with uh, Spinazzola, Chiesa and Barella, those kind of players. Um, but it does, yeah, it is a bit of a concern in terms of what, what happens what happens next. Do we have to just fully go to a modern way, if you like, and, and how are we going to do that? And are we ready to do that? And do we have the players physically, the characteristics physically, 
that's always been my concern in the last years. Do we physically have the characteristics as a, you know, as a people, Italian people, like we're not generally physically the best, you know, without wanting to get into all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But you know, you know what I mean, though. It's, it's that's no, my concern. I, I agree, and I, I think I, I can imagine the tendency for young players in Italy that if you do have those physical characteristics, but technically you're not in a place of strength in in terms of other players, I could imagine you're quite easily dismissed because I've used the word patience a few times. If you're willing to have patience with those players and put time into them and work on them technically, if they've got the physical attributes, you're, you're, you're into producing something that's really ready to, to play modern football. But if you haven't got the patience to do it, then you ain't going to get those players. Um, and look, some of them you'll get there and some of them you won't. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the physical thing is a, is a concern, but I do just wonder, and I don't know, Daddy, if you can answer that question, but or that, that thought process of mine, do, do we have the patience for someone who maybe have the physical attributes but can't match it up technically? I, I don't know. I think also the trend in Italy has changed recently in the recent seasons. You think more play, more teams now are pressing high, Spisa Suolo, Verona, Fiorentina, Atalanta. So the idea, actually, I think that most of the managers now, they are uh, updating, up, becoming a little bit more modern in their defensive approach. I think one, one other critic, my personal critic, is the way our referee runs the game. Because in European football, Referee play more, and the intensity is not stopped as much as in Italy. And this is another criticism. Obviously, we are uh, discussing coaches, uh, players, but we need to remember that also the referee play a part in the in the development of a player, unfortunately. And and this is another thing we need to get better at. I think the, the standard referee we always produce great referees, you know, Colina or other referees able to ref. Uh, officiating finals or big events, but the standard again doesn't help for the referees. So many every touch down on the floor, stop, free kick, and that doesn't help the level of intensity. That's why when we go into in our Italian clubs playing the Champions League, they struggle. Uh, yeah. For me, it was a little bit embarrassing personally as a Milan fan playing Milan against Liverpool B team, and we still lose two <laughs> one at home. Yeah. <laughs> that. And then I think, yeah, Milan, I watch Milan quite regularly. Yes, the way Milan execute possession and out of possession is a good good idea, but the intensity is not there. And every time I watch a game, it's always, it's, I don't want to be so critical to referees, but I don't want to be a fan here. But I th- we need no, to yeah. modernize also our referees and let the game flow a little bit more rather than yeah. stopping every 20 seconds. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a, that's, that's a good point I haven't thought of. Um, okay, well, just to finish off, um, obviously Italy are not going to be at the World Cup, so now it's all about going forward towards Euro 2024. Uh, qualifying doesn't actually start for a year, uh, not till March next year. So we've got a whole year to prepare for that, really, give some youngsters a chance, hopefully. I mean, uh, I'll start with you, Dadio. What team would you like Mancini to go forward with? Ahead of Euro 2024, who you know? Do you have a? You have to give me the whole eleven. But is there any certain players you think? Right, I want to see him. Those players, give him a chance to develop. I don't have a list of players in my mind, but I literally wish that we got more Italian players playing the Champions League regularly. 
they will prepare you for the World Cup or European Championship. It's not, not enough players. I think Donnarumma, Verratti, two players. Jorginho. Jorginho, three. I think I would like to see, before thinking about March, 16, 18 Italian players regularly playing the Champions League and being the knockout stage. Mm. They would be delighted. Mm. Okay, great. And Elia, anyone that you want to see? Mancini could go. Raspadori, Schemacher, these guys. Yeah, I think there's a there's a few obvious ones, you know, like Donnarumma's obvious, Bastoni as well. Um, you know, Tonali definitely for me, Barella, Verratti as well. You you can you can stick by these players. Chiesa, depending on how he comes back from, from injury. I think those five or six players have got to be the core of the team. Um, but you know, the the, the problems around it, what do we do at fullback? You know, you've got players in the under-21s like Belanova, for example, who's, who's regularly playing for Cagliari. I know they're towards the bottom of Serie A, but, you know, for me, players like him need to be playing in a national team as well now. If he's playing in Serie A, he's a young player, then start playing him. Um, and, you know, these players like Scamacca and Raspadori and even Zaniola to, to an extent, these guys need to be playing in the Champions League. Yeah, they, they, sh- they should form pretty much the rest of Mancini's team going forward. With complete respect to Sassuolo, it, it it's is no good. Yeah, yeah it, it's different. It, it's com- it's mm. completely different. And you want to push the you want to push the levels. You want to you want to push the boundaries of these players. Then they've got to be playing against the best players as of, as often as possible in in the best clubs. And they they're not they're not doing that at the minute. And we we really need to to solve that 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 issue. Um, but the, the the players are there, and I, like I said, that's I, I part just... of the development. That's part of the development, isn't it? You where you, you play for a Champions League team, you play for a top Serie A team, as opposed to a Sassuolo. I mean, look at the forwards Mancini had to pick from: Sassuolo, Lazio, Cagliari, uh, you know, even Napoli. Let's say, you know, they're not top top European clubs. You know, so yeah, definitely. No, it's such a contradiction because if you look at Similan, has got Ibrahimovic in Giroud, so. Why Scamacca, for instance, our, our potential, our best striker, future striker, mm-hmm. doesn't play for Milan? And Milan are now negotiating right now, I know this, we're speaking to people working on the deal for Divock Origi from Liverpool, who's a you know, sixth choice player for, for Liverpool, you know, 27, 28 years old. I mean, you know, that doesn't help Italian football either, to be honest with you. And, and he's not even like he's a good, a great player. He's all right. He'll probably do a job instead of have, but, you know, so yeah, that's part of the mentality thing as well. Yeah. The front three for Sassuolo surely should play European football on a regular basis. Yeah. The front three for Sassuolo, so, and they should have started, if they were more experienced, mm. the game against Macedonia. No. No, I, mean, I think we, we, you know, we need. I think also we we haven't had uh, the benefit of foreign influence in Italy either in terms of coaches. We haven't really. There, there hasn't been that. There hasn't been that benefit, and we haven't risked losing our young players either because young players don't leave Italy, and if they do, they don't really travel well. So there, there, there's two bits there for me that we've seen in other countries that we don't see in Italy still. We don't have foreign coaches at the top of the league that have, have that you've gone, wow, he, he's almost revolutionised a, a way of playing in Serie A that we've not seen before. We don't have these young players that leave Italy and go on to play well in a, in a Bundesliga or in Portugal or, or somewhere like that. We don't have it. They don't leave 
and they don't travel well. So we're missing these things, and then, like you said, the Sassuolo players, they need to be playing at the top of Serie A, and they're not. But as long as Mancini moves away from some of the players that he finished that game with the other night, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we sure will. We hope for better times. Well, thank you guys so much. I, I really, really enjoyed that. It was fascinating, really good to get your insight. And uh, let's hope that... Uh, so I hope that some people in Italy listen to this and actually make some change, <laughs> make some changes. Um, because yeah, we don't want to miss another World Cup. I mean, it's been, it's crazy. I was speaking to someone the other day, and it's like, can you imagine a youngster that was born in Italy at the age of say, you know, say let's say born in two thousand and eight, and they were maybe six years old in two thousand and fourteen, so they were a little bit too young to really understand that World Cup. They're going to miss the 2018 World Cup. They're going to miss the 2022 World Cup. By the time 2026 comes along, they'll be, what, 18 years old. They've basically not seen a World Cup. So that can't be good either, can it, for, for developing young young footballers in Italy? Because that's what inspires you as a kid, isn't it, watching the your team in the World Cup. So, yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, just before we go, you can follow Elio on Twitter at, at Elio Salerno87 uh, and Dario also on Twitter at, at Dario Seminario. Before I let you go, is there anything else you guys want to promote? No, it's not from me. No. no. Only thing I hope the next Guardiola next step is in Italy. Just <laughs> oh, to yeah. Spain, to Germany, <laughs> to England. I hope the next, and then we'll see improvements. <laughs> That's my only wish. Yeah, that would be fantastic. There were some links with Juve uh, a couple, two, three years ago that unfortunately didn't happen. Um, okay, well, um, thanks everyone for listening. We will be back on Monday to review the, the Derby Italia. Until then, ciao.